1: Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis with Cats at Night, the number one show at 5 o'clock. It's a TriCast. It's on uh, WLIR in Long Island, WABC Radio, the whole East Coast, and 970 AM, The Answer. In the studio with us, we have Judge Richard Weinberg, we have Chairman Ed Cox, and Governor David uh, Patterson, Lydia Saranai my, my, as my sidekick. And
2: I understand we have some breaking news.
1: Breaking news, WABC.
2: Well, we have two pieces of breaking news. Well, three pieces now. Governor Hochul, she appointed a new chief judge. Also, ex FTX CEO. He's out on a $250 million bond. He'll be staying with his parents. And that $1.7 trillion budget deal, it has now passed. So, we got a lot to talk about, guys. Wow. Yes. A
1: lot to talk about.
2: So, and let's. Tell us about our first guest. Let's go to our first guest, Ambassador John Bolton. He's the author of The Room Where It happened uh, Welcome back to Cats at Night, Ambassador Bolton. Of course, we Glad have to, to be with you. We have to talk about President Zelensky, the Ukrainian president. He was in Washington, D.C. yesterday. And explain to our, our listeners why this is so important for us to back Ukraine basically on the world stage.
0: Well, this is, uh, I think. President Zelensky summed it up uh, quite well last night when he said to Congress that the aid that we've been providing to to help defend Ukraine against the Russian invasion, he said, this is not charity. Uh, This is an investment, really. We're doing this uh, not out of the goodness of our hearts, but because it's in American national security interest to aid Ukraine to prevent the Russians or the Chinese who are watching this very carefully from thinking that they can engage in uh, unprovoked aggression at no cost. And if that idea gets out there in places that are vital to American national interest, as Europe has been since at least 1945, the end of World War II, uh, and, and many places in Asia, then then we're just gonna find more of it. This, this is something that the Ukrainians are fighting that benefits us, benefits the Western Europeans. Uh, and I don't think our political leaders honestly have made this case effectively enough. You have to talk to the American citizens like adults. And, and tell them what the Russian threat represents, what we need to do to stop it, and why it's in our interest to stop it. And I think it's if you do Russia, that, they the, will.
1: The good news is Russia is no longer a threat to the NATO countries. In other uh, words—
0: you know, Secretary of uh, Defe- You're right. Secretary of Defense Austin said earlier this year that the Kremlin—these are his words—the Kremlin is feeding its army into a wood chipper. And every day that goes by, that army gets less threatening, uh, not just in Ukraine, but but all around Europe.
3: The issue there, Ed Cox here, uh, uh, Ambassador, but the issue there is that's what the Russians have done every everywhere they've done. That, but in the end, just the manpower prevails. Do you think that could happen in the Ukraine just by while it is a wood chipper and uh, they're, they are killed? Uh, uh, by uh, large numbers, yet they just keep coming.
0: Right. Now, look, it's a its a very important point, and I think it highlights, uh, I mean, we want to stand with Ukraine, but from the U.S. point of view, we also need a strategy of how this is going to end yep. uh, in, in a victory. And the Biden administration, now going on almost a year uh, as we come to year's end, uh, still doesn't have a strategy for victory. Its aid, which has been considerable to Ukraine, has tended to be a day late and a dollar short I'm not defending the performance of the other Europeans in in NATO, the Germans and the French in particular, whose contribution has been way below their capabilities. But but we need something larger than just having the thing drag out and appear to simply be throwing money at it. Now, that's not, in fact, what's happening. But uh, if you listen to the White House, they talk about how many billions of dollars of aid we've given as if it's some big social welfare program. I mean, we need to talk about why this is an American interest, how we're going to win it, why that's an American. I think the American people will uh, accept this and support it.
1: Uh, Ambassador Judge Richard Weinberg, sir, let me ask you uh, a couple of questions. What is a victory for Ukraine in this conflict and what is a victory for U.S. and Western Europe interests?
0: Well, you know, the, the prime minister of Finland a uh, uh, couple of months ago now was, was asked, how does this end in Ukraine? And what she said, I think, is exactly right. She said, how does this end? <laughs> it ends when the Russian troops are out of Ukraine. That's how it ends. Including uh, Crimea? I think including Crimea, sure. Look, this is something when the Soviet Union broke up in 1991, the, the, the prime ministers of Russia, Belarus and Ukraine met at a hunting lodge in Belarus. Boris Yeltsin, the first elected president in Russian history, signed an agreement essentially to break up the Soviet Union with each of the constituent republics becoming independent along the border lines they held inside the Soviet Union. So Russia wasn't forced to do this. It's the most legitimate president they've ever had in a free and fair election. Agreed to it. The Duma agreed to it. That's what they agreed to. Uh, if if you want to talk about A mutual, peacefully agreed-upon change of borders, that's one thing. But border change by military aggression is something we said in 1945 we're not going to let happen in Europe again because it hurts America when it does.
3: So, So, Ambassador, if we have that kind of a victory, what's the impact? Let's look at the worldwide impact. Number one competitor, China. What's the impact on China?
0: Well, I think China's watching what's happening right now very carefully, and they've got a number of targets uh, they've already picked out. Taiwan is certainly one. The entire South China Sea is another. Uh, They've been building up uh, military bases along their land border with India. They have a very, very big appetite. And I think they believe if the U.S. can't defend its vital national interest in Europe, of all places, where we've got in NATO the most successful political-military alliance in history – How are we going to do it as far away as all the way across the Pacific? So uh, this is people have been saying maybe we're at a hinge point in history here. The hinge point is if we don't stop the Russians uh, effectively, uh, we we could be seeing a world where chaos and aggression uh, grows in ways we haven't seen in a long time. So that
3: raises the question what military assistance we're giving.
0: Uh, I understand no
3: long range stuff that could go into Russia, no planes that could go into Russia, but how about battle tanks we 're not giving them the battle tanks that we could, none of the uh, a one uh, abrams
0: tanks for example uh, right look i think I think that's I think that's a correct point. I also think the Germans could do a lot better, but you know this is just an example uh, The Germans are supposed to be a key element in nato 's rapid reaction force and in an exercise about two weeks ago. Uh, where they were supposed to be leading it, 18 of their tanks broke down in the middle of this exercise. Uh, oh. So, you know, NATO's got a lot of catching up to do. I- I'm not so worried about uh, the-, the threat this is going to escalate into a larger war. I think that's Putin trying to intimidate, to deter the NATO alliance. He He's the one who's in trouble right now. He, he is, but he has succeeded at intimidating uh,
3: Biden to a certain extent, has he not, let alone yes, Europe? No,
0: I think— I think that's a very serious problem, and and I think uh, just going back, uh, I'm sure people remember when uh, the Ukrainians asked that they get uh, MiGs that the that the Polish military had, uh, literally Soviet era MiG jets that their pilots were trained on. And Secretary of State Blinken said on one of the t- Sunday talk shows we were going to approve that transfer, and the president overruled it. Uh, you know that's the kind of mistake repeated time after time extends the war and increases Russia's chances for a stalemate so that they might win politically and diplomatically what they can't win on the battlefield.
1: In that regard, Ambassador, what about Belarus uh, using their land for attacks by the Russian forces? And what about Belarus coming
0: into this conflict? Well, I think there's a lot of concern about that. Putin was just in Minsk, the capital of uh, Belarus, uh, that's another whole frontier uh, basically open. I mean, the Ukrainians, uh, I think as Ed was saying earlier, you know, they've 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 got only so many forces as it is compared to the Russians, and if you have another couple of hundred miles of frontier opened up again, that could change the shape of the battle. So this this is why, uh, if if you're going to get into a conflict like this, uh, the the sooner the quicker you can win it, the better, because the longer it drags out, the greater the chance in this case that the Russians. Will find that they have generals who are creative and good, good uh, tacticians. That they'll have units that still know how to fight, uh, and and that put will put an enormous strain on Ukraine, which itself, let's not forget, has has also endured pretty heavy casualties here.
2: Ambassador Bolton, Tucker Carlson on Fox News, he's getting a lot of heat for a segment, well, most of his show actually, where he said, uh, "Zelensky has declared war on Christianity." What do you make of all this kind of anti-Zelensky rhetoric that is happening, specifically in the Republican Party?
0: Well, you know, it's uh, uh, the the virus of isolationism is, is loose in the party. There's no doubt about it. The, the idea that Zelensky has declared war on Christianity has no factual support. Whatever, uh, uh, he is Jewish himself. I don't know whether that's an implied uh, anti-Semitic criticism by Tucker. Uh, but I don't know of anybody in Ukraine who seriously believes that to be the case. Uh, th- this is the kind of thing that, uh, uh, when it's not countered effectively, leads people to be very confused about what's going on. I come back to our political leaders. If if you explain the facts to the voters, which we haven't done enough of for a long time, certainly not in the past year, then then, then their support for Ukraine might uh, might dissipate. But if they understand yes. how important this is to us, then I think they'll stick with
1: it. I no, I agree. Now there's something that Tucker Carlson might not know, and uh, you know I, I represent the the Patriarch in Constantinople, which is sits on equal ground uh, with uh, uh, the Pope in Christianity. And so I called uh, Father Alex, who uh, uh, works with the Patriarch, and I said, "What's going on?" When well, I heard this this morning, uh, he says that there's competition. I said the patriarch of Constantinople is representing the Ukraine Orthodox Church, but the Russian Orthodox Church uh, is starting to stir the pot in in the Ukraine because they want they want uh, the Ukraine back.
0: Yeah, well, that's why I say I think I think this is Russian propaganda. You know, uh, about I guess it's three or four years ago. John, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but the Ukrainian. Orthodox Church uh, became autocephalous in other words it separated itself from the patriarch in Moscow yes and the Russian the Russian and, and they went like with uh,
1: Constantinople
0: right and but they they wanted they wanted a Ukrainian Orthodox church they didn't want a Russian Orthodox church and uh but but they still permitted as a kind of freedom of religion that churches that still uh felt loyal to the patriarch in Moscow could still practice their religion the way they wanted. Uh, so what, what the Ukrainians have tried to do is enhance freedom of religion for two different uh, uh, kinds of churches here. And, and I think now, unfortunately, the Russians are trying to take advantage of that. But I'm I've, I've watched this question carefully from when I was in the White House. I'm not aware of any repression of any religion in Ukraine. I'm sure there are things that are done wrong there, like every other country in the world. But the notion that somehow Zelensky is persecuting Christians, is flat wrong.
2: Ambassador Bolton, also, uh, Kevin McCarthy, he said, you know what, we don't want to give a blank check to Ukraine. And I think a lot of people would also agree with that. While we support Ukraine, we also want to make sure that every single dollar goes where it needs to go. You want
1: checks and balances, but I think we got a bigger mess on our hands. This afternoon, the $1.7 trillion uh, budget was passed by Senator Schumer, uh, gave uh, Senators cinema uh, and Senator and, um, Manchin, Manchin right? a deal that they couldn't say no to. So right. what yeah. is that? I, I,
0: I think these omnibus bills actually weaken Congress. You know, there are 12 appropriations subcommittee who, if they were doing their jobs, would pass 12 separate bills each year with the full budget. This is not a way to run the railroad. I think the critics uh, are exactly right on this point. The question is what you do at the end of the year. Uh, but went, when I need an explanation why uh,
1: Mitch McCullough went along with it, and they ended up with
2: sixty-nine uh, to what? Sixty-eight yeah, to twenty-eight, 50? or something like that. And, and to twenty-eight. We we needed border security in there, not and not for the Middle East They gave border security. They gave border security, security. Gave border security
1: to uh, to everybody except our own border. That's right. We don't have in that bill, Ambassador. It's not provided for southern border security for the United States.
0: Well that's that's the fault of the of the of the Biden administration which has steadily weakened the border from trying to get rid of the stay and remain in Mexico policy to title 42 but on the appropriations issue if you want a strong congress to deal with the Biden administration congress has to do its job it has to act like a legislature when it comes together only at the end of the year like this it's no wonder key priorities get lost congress has done this to itself under republican and democratic leadership alike for Decades, And this this is the consequence
1: of it. I think it's because they wink at each other, and this is how they do business. At the end of the year, they can pile everything on. Well, it goes back to uh, President Trump. And, you know, he's got – President Trump has a lot of problems on his own, but he wanted to get rid of the, slump, the swamp. The swamp got rid of him. Ooh! All right? All right. Thank you. Thank you, Ambassador. And uh, thank Merry you for Christmas. loving America. Merry Christmas, Merry sorry. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh, and, uh, Take, care. Take care now. Thank you. Everybody stand by. And second, uh, right after this, we're going to have Melissa DeRosa on. And I understand she's got some hot issues to talk about. But before that, there's a WABC Christmas party going on in the studio. And uh, everybody, that's anybody in our studio is here. And uh, they want to say Merry Christmas to her. Uh, well, us. we've
2: we've got Rudy Giuliani, we've got uh, Dr. Maria, we've got Dominic Carter, we've got Greg Kelly, everybody. Teddy's here, of course, and Margot Katzmitidis. Most importantly, I don't know
1: if they, I don't know if this the station's going to go on afterwards if they all drink too much. No.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, and there's uh, President Chad Lopez. Are we coming in? Are you guys coming in to say hello? Well, I'm not sure. Dr. Maria is looking very beautiful there. Look at that in her sparkly outfit. All right. Let's take a break.